All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Think Bigger podcast, Community Conversations. And today we are sitting here talking with Eddie. What's up, Eddie? Hi, this is Eddie Lee. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, hey, man, I appreciate, you know, in the midst of everything, making time to do this, you know. Um, it's, um, it's different for different people. Some people are a little too sketched out. And I respect that, but I'm glad that we're able to sit here and talk. Uh, for those of, uh, for those of you people that are newer into the scene in the industry, they're gonna know Titan 7, right? They're gonna know that you are, well, they might not know the face and the name behind it, but Titan 7, you have established it. It's growing. Mm -hmm. It's being seen on more and more high end vehicles and builds across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Titan 7, I mean, I remember when you first mentioned that you were gonna do it, mm -hmm. and it's pretty cool to see that growth, right? So let's talk about Titan Seven. Yeah, it's uh, it's been awesome. Uh, we're in, we're we've been in it for three years now. Okay. Uh, some days it feels like we've been doing it for ten. Yeah. Some days it feels like uh, it's been we just started. It's hectic. It's crazy. Um, I think you know any all the entrepreneurs out there they'll they can attest to you know when you start a business the amount of anxiety grief hard work, sleepless nights that you go through. Um, but I think with any product that anybody comes out with, it just comes down to just consistency, determination, uh, just preaching it. Yes. And um, as long as the base product is decent, it's a good, it's a good product. Um, and, and then from there, your interaction with your customers. Yeah. Right. So you take care of them, right? If there's problems, um, you make sure you fix it. Yes. Right. It's funny, like in the automotive industry, um, and I'm sure this goes for other industries where, um, you know, customer service, you know, it's so important service. and we place such a high premium on that yes. on top of making sure our product's good. Yes. Um, yeah. And so with all of that coming into play, we've been able to experience tremendous growth. Um, you know, we're coming out with new designs, working on a lot of you know exciting things. And even with, you know, you know the the you know the the hardships that everyone's facing you know yes. during these times um we've been able to still you know maintain ourselves and you know we'll be able to keep the lights on so i mean to keep it in the context of present tense has there been an influx of uh customers with the whole uh stimulus check has that kind of has there's something you can factor into that yeah I, I think the stimulus definitely has something to do with it um this is really around this time spring yes. is traditionally um, for car parts uh, and wheels. It's it's traditionally like our biggest part of the season. Because also like tax returns and things like taxmas, that, right? Yes. Yeah, we call taxmas, mm -hmm. uh, stimulus. Um, you know, all of those put together. Like typically, like on a it's year, it's a with good a, season. Yeah, this is this is the biggest. Like February, March, April are typically our biggest selling seasons. Okay, biggest selling months. And, um, but that's typical I, across all markets generally, right? In the, in the, in the automotive aftermarket. Yeah, I think so because guys are prepping for the show season, mm -hmm. race season, mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever they're into. Um, you know, they're, they're ready to, especially guys in the East coast where there's four seasons. Yes. Um, they're really ready to bust out you yes. know, and, and get into the good weather and really, you know, enjoy, you know, the sun and then the, all the events. So yeah, people are prepping to get their cars ready to go party. Yeah. Okay, so, and you haven't seen much of a change even with these crazy times. It's been pretty, pretty steady. Well, right initially, um, there was a hit, right? So yeah. early March, late February, early March, where things started to 
uh, where there where there's a lot of uncertainty. Yes. Um, I think most companies uh, experienced a pretty good dip. Yes. And uh, then of course like traffic, so shops that had walk-in traffic or whatnot, that that definitely slowed down. Um, and so a lot of our dealers they were feeling that, and then that that part of the business really went down. Yeah. Um, but. I think towards the end of March and through April, I think the sales have kind of rebounded, and I think that goes to part of the stimulus checks. I guess sure. I guess guys that got the stimulus money and then they didn't really necessarily you know need it to survive. They're yes. like, we're gonna go shopping. Yes, 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 <laughs> so, yes. Um, so for those that were fortunate enough to to be in that situation, I think they they want they wanted to put it towards. You know, especially right now, we're all at home, so people are working on cars. People are working at their houses. Yeah. Like every time I pass by a Home Depot, it's packed. Yeah, man. <laughs> right? It's true. So you know, people are doing things that they've been maybe putting off. Yes. And uh, and and car builds. That's definitely probably one of one of those things. I mean, that right there is 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 a very important way to come out of this better. You know, we're, you know, when we're talking about this whole global change right societal changes yeah. you know there's a lot of people who are going to come out of this worse and they don't even realize it because they're unsettled they're unhappy yeah. their their routine has been disrupted yeah. it's a lot of mental imbalance right mm -hmm. and then you have the people who are gonna you know just kind of be normal they're grounded Right. And then you have those that are going to, you know, they're, they're learning things on YouTube, remodeling their house, and they never learned how to do it, redoing the garage, the car, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you touched on uh, the whole entrepreneurial thing, you know, opening a, vis a business. But with all that, you know, there's discipline, right? There's the hard work and the sleepless nights. Yeah. But, you know, you have this business, which is relatively new compared to your long history in the industry. Right. You've been in the industry a long time, and, now, you know, obviously we'll touch on that. Yeah. But as far as... Uh, you know, a businessman and a husband uh, being in the fitness and then being into cars also as an enthusiast, not just on the business side. Mm -hmm. How do you uh, find the time and balance that all out? Yeah, I'm not like a regimented person. I'm kind of like all over the place. But if something is important to you, you usually will make the time for it. Right. Yes. So, yeah, like I, I'm a husband. Uh, I, I just got married uh, this past December, mm -hmm. uh, but we've been together for a very long time. And uh, so that's definitely one of my biggest priorities. Yes. Uh, then number two would be the business. Yes. And then, um, and that definitely takes most of my time, yeah. but you know, work is always there yes. no matter what, what it is like, unless you're, I mean, there's certain jobs where it's nine to five and when you go home, you can just turn that switch yes. off. Right. But for entrepreneurs, it's, it's it's twenty four seven. You're thinking, especially in the beginning, where I was dreaming about work, right? Yes. And uh, now now we're in a situation where we're a little bit more stable. Yeah. So you know, I will make sure to take time to spend with friends and family. Yes. Um, things that will nurture not just like the business side, but also your body and soul. Yes. So yeah, I definitely work out a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, play ball. I cycle. I you know. Um, Work, lift weights. Yeah. You know, I run. Yeah, I do all kinds of things, and um, and and then you surround yourself with you know good friends and and, yes. you know, and people that are doing you know like minded uh, things, and uh, yeah, so it's you know that's how you live, right? I mean, that type of work and balance, the balance of it all, is where I think a lot of people don't necessarily kind of know how to understand what to do with that because you have kind of two ends of the spectrum from what I've observed, right? Mm -hmm. You have the people who believe that all it takes is the passion 
And then you have the people who believe that you work yourself into the ground. And there is a, an amount of all of that. But finding that balance for your own personal, mental, and, and social health is very important. Yeah, you have to um, first figure out what your passions are, what motivates you. Yes. Right? And, and passion and motivation, those are they're interrelated. But, you know, they're not the exact same thing. Yes. Either, right. So there's people that are passionate about things, but they're not doing much with it. Right. Right. So that's the majority of people. Right. Yeah. Ton of passion. They can talk forever, right. but they're no action. Right. Exactly. So you have to come down and just do it. Yes. Right. Uh, just like Nike said. So um, you got to put those two things together. And um, but at the same time, you have to make sure you're having fun. You're happy. Right. Maybe if you're not having fun, but you have to at least be happy yes. with whatever you're putting spending your time with and now that i'm a little bit older yeah um you know i'm really big on like my time management right so like how i spend my time if someone's wasting it yes i'm not very happy about it sure right so um it, i'm gonna i'm really into just if i'm gonna spend my time on something it's something that's worthwhile yes um whether it's working or going out you know having fun or even just being home by myself yes you know and just reflecting or just watching tv or yes. whatever right yes. like all those things are actually treasured moments absolutely you know, absolutely yeah. so do you feel like it took a lot of mistakes for you to get to a point where you could go out and create a company from scratch and still be able to have a, the woman that you're dating at this time still want to marry you because you didn't just go 23 hours and 59 minutes for a year straight on, on the company Right. And ignore her, right? How did you end up getting to be able to create Titan 7 and balance all that out? You know what, though? It was my wife that – she was the one that gave me the, the okay to do it. Okay. So she was the one that said, if you're going to do it, you better do it now. Um, taking a step back, like uh, most entrepreneurs, I, I feel like they, they, they're the ones that actually are the go guys, right? Yes. They, they do it like young, right? They start the business young. They, yes. They get in they, – they've – work their way through mistakes and, yeah. and build their experience while they're doing it and they end up you know wherever they are right yes. so with me i worked at a company for 18 years 18 years right so i went through all the ups and downs we went through recessions and yes went through all that and um fortunately like the training that, re that i received um it was i think it was very complete because i had to work on all aspects of the business yes so when we finally put um, our company together yes. and we started running it. I can't really say that I've come across so many surprises because okay. I've kind of been through it. Yes. Um, so yeah. And, and you know, with the training that I got at like the way we, everything kind of turned out the way I had planned you okay. know, for the most part. Um, of course, like, you know, every day is very dynamic. You know, there's, you know, we don't have any set routines or anything like that and always think problems and things pop up. But I think with the experience goes the level-headedness. And so yes. when, when shit happens, you know, it's okay. Just deal with it. Just deal with deal it. Deal with it. Move on. You know, you don't, you know, I think maybe that's a part of being older, maybe yeah. more mature. Um, you know, stuff happens. It's okay. Just deal with it. Let's move on, fix it, and try to make sure it doesn't happen again. And so, but, but you, that type of stability and calmness in the face of adversity or, 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 or any type of hardship, mm -hmm. you, like you talked about 18 years at one company mm -hmm. that, that, that kind of gave you the foundation, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then what about before that? So how did you in Southern California end up deciding of all the things to get into, how did you end up being a, coming a car guy and then working in the industry, not just being on the customer consumer side? Yeah, so... Growing up, like in high school, um, 
you know, I felt my I fell into a group of friends. Yeah, we were all basically uh, getting into cars. I mean, in the early it was 90s, that era. Yeah, early nineties. Everyone was pretty much anybody. You know, I'm, you know, all the Asian kids were yeah. in these you know cars. Yep. for the most part, right? And so we're and some people grow out of it. Some people will stay into it. Yes. And so, um, you know, in high school, you know, we were in car crews and yeah. we were living the life, mm-hmm. right? Whether we were going to the street races, uh, working on our cars, uh, hanging out, talking about cars, going to the bookstore to read about cars, yep. Yep. you know, any, any content or anything that we, yeah, magazine or anything that we can consume. Yes. Um, but back then, you know, it's, it's, not just like visual, you know, yeah. touch, feel, everything, you know, yeah. we were really, you know, living that life. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I think today's day and age, there's so many distract. People are getting into so many things, right? Yes. So, like, everyone's time is very parceled out uh, where, like, for us, we were just 100% in cars. Yes. Right. And so, um, as, you know, I wasn't planning on being in the car industry, but uh, I had the you know, very lucky chance of working, you know, with some of the brands that growing up I was really into. Right. So like, you know, Rays and, you know, like, you know, th- those type of brands, like Volk Racing and those things. I was Just super... the, the, the epitome, you know, oh, they're yeah. like the number one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, going to shops to check out those wheels, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously I couldn't afford it back then. Right. You know, it was funny. Like, I remember the sales guy walking up to me, um, you know, I'm not going to say who, but he looked at me, he's like, you can't afford these. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so of course, I, my head would, you know, I'd, I'd drop my head, I'd be sad because, like, I know. <laughs> but, well, but okay, so the, uh, you remember who it is. You don't uh, want to do what was the shop name? Can you say? I'm not gonna say. So, <laughs> okay, what well, was this in the 90s? Oh, yeah, it's in the 90s. Okay, so. so do you still, do you know that person to this day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was a funny story, but anyways, but but it was the truth. It's true, sure. right? And so, but those are things that are that provide motivation, right? Yeah, you know, like hey, like I want these things, right? Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard for it. So my my originally I was gonna get into like probably banking, finance, those type of okay. things, right? And uh, who knows if I stayed in it, I'd be maybe some douchebag rich guy. Who knows, right? Sure. But uh, I'm glad I didn't turn out that way. Um, but you know, like. I had the opportunity to get to work at Mackin and, you know, I, I thought it'd be a fun summer job. Yeah. Score parts, get discounts. And, sure. And make uh, some money. You know, and, yeah. Make yeah. some money, fix up my car and, and off I go into like normal, normal. Yes. Normalcy, right. Yes. But I got into it. Uh, I dropped out of college because of it um, to work full time. I loved it. And I rose up really quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can say that, you know, I'm proud to say that I was you know, one of the center pieces of establishing some of these brands, you know, here in the, in the United yeah, States. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Pivotal. Yeah. So like, you know, like Volk Racing, the T37s and all that, you know, back, back in the day, you know, when I was traveling around trying to sell that, people were like, what's this ugly ass white wheel? I see. You know, that, that you're trying to sell. And I was like, no, no, it's not about that. It's like the weight. Yes. You know, it's the strength and, you know, the forging and all that. And back then, people aren't as, weren't as educated sure. as they are now about products. Now everyone knows everything, right? Yep. Supposedly. The internet. You know, you know? Um, but back then, you know, you have to go. I was a door to door guy. Yeah. You know, I had to go to 7 Eleven and buy, you know, what is it, a Thomas Guide? Yep. I buy a pack of cigarettes, uh, soda, and a, Dude, a, and a Thomas, Thomas guide. guide. And I have to map out my route. Yep. You know, and, uh, and, and uh, just drive around and I get lost in some sketchy places. 
dude but it, with a thomas guide yeah you could do i used to so i used to draw and uh, be a courier mm -hmm. right i did it for five years yeah. and i mean you cannot get lost with a thomas guide like you know the gps like sometimes phones make mistakes yeah but a thomas guide unless you went into a brand new residential neighborhood right yeah like it was just you could you just you looked at your your x and y yeah axis. as long as you knew what you were doing yeah if you knew left and right you're yeah, fine exactly <laughs> you know, so. it was crazy man yeah. so that's how it was with mackin in the beginning oh yeah like uh i'd have to go to like the yellow pages and mm -hmm. look for shops mm -hmm. you know that's how i did my research um yeah, super old. You know, so I'm, I'm happy to say that I was old enough to have gone through all the analog yes. stuff, but I'm not so old where I couldn't, like, learn. Sure, and, sure. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, God, I can't believe I did all that shit. Dude, you know? it's the truth, man. Like now, like, can, can I do that now? I, I wouldn't want it. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right, right. So you, you're, a, you're into cars, you, your friends, the area you grew up in, it all kind of just aligned itself. It was the golden era. Yeah, for sure. And so you end up landing this job mm -hmm. at Mackin Industries mm -hmm. when it was this tiny thing yeah. and you um, were thinking summer job get whatever discount grab some cool JDM stuff right. and maybe just go go about fixing my car and go on to something else right. but you end up dropping out of college mm -hmm. to work full time at Mackin yeah so what I think what happened was because it was right at its inception it was like a really small program yeah right and so um Obviously, this, the business, it was growing. So being a part of that from ground, the ground floor and watching it grow is super gratifying. Um, but as the years went on, um, we, was, we started delving into other, other areas of the business. So we started supplying to like OEM. So yes. I started doing work for Nissan, for Mazda, yes. you know, Honda. You know, I've done you know, racing programs for BMW Motorsport. Mm -hmm. And so, when he, so that there were like areas of growth that really kept me into it. And obviously the business was growing. It was, um, you know, growing very rapidly. Yes. And, uh, you know, obviously the pay was good and uh, the perks, the travel. And not only that, I think the most important thing is just the people you meet, right? Yes. So I have lifelong friends that I've developed because of this. Um, I can say that I can go to pretty much any major met metropolitan city Yes, in the country, and I'd have somebody I can hit up and go hang out and you have know, a meal and, and have a meal and, yeah. and a drink, and you know it'll be you know it'll be perfect. And that's eighteen years, though. I mean, see, I, I, I always like to drive that home. The mm -hmm. demographic, the people that tune into this podcast, it's not children. I mean, it's fourteen right. to like sixty-four. Right. Okay, right. and there's a certain age group just maybe coincidentally, to be fair to the younger people, mm -hmm. that are going to get it right. Yeah, but. A lot of people, I think, there's a big, there's a big danger. We touched on it earlier about everyone's got passion, and, and people believe that that's that's the, all, the only thing you need to to establish something, mm -hmm. and that's very dangerous. That's a very romanticized of way of looking at life. Sure, because there is an, a complete amount of hard work that needs to be coupled mm -hmm. with the passion. And there are the people who outwork someone, they're not even passionate about it, and they'll still be more successful than the person who loves it because they outwork them. Right. Yeah, you know, like what's what's been really interesting this year with, you know, all the bad stuff that happened, including, you know, Kobe's demise, right? Yes. I think he really hit, you know, hard on the head of, about, you know, because of that, like his message of hard work, yes. determination. Yes. Right. Um, like willpower and just straight up focus. Yeah, that that's exactly um, what you need uh, to to make it. Yes. Right. Uh, it, you know that you don't have to outwork everybody that you see, but you have to put in the work. Yes. Right. If you don't do that, then nothing's going to happen. Yes. Right. So that that's that's really, this should be 
like a route that everybody will take on yeah. in, in order to you know, add, put in a piece to succeed. So in those 18 years, what year was it that you were in? Was it number one when you said, I'm going to drop out of college to work at this company? Mm-hmm. Was, it, was that number one? Was that where you're counting from? Yeah, it started pretty much like after a year or within so a year. So a year yeah. of working there, what, part-time? No, it, it was – so what happened was I was still working at a bank and okay. I, I transferred that to part-time. And then and then I started working at Mackin and that was more of a full – like, you know, nine to five. Sure. Right? Um, and then by the time summer ended, yeah. you know, I'm like, nah, I'm going to – I'm just going to work. At right? Mackin? Yeah. So you so, just quit the bank? Yeah, quit the bank. I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, I, mean, I mean, at that point in the bank, were you a teller? No, so I was, I was already moving up into like new accounts, okay. uh, merchant telling. Uh, they they wanted me to start studying to become like a manager. Sure, you know? sure. So this, there was like a path forward. Yes, right. That that a roadmap that I could see. Yes. Um, but was it fun? No, not really. Sure. But I was good at it. Okay. Right. I was good at selling. I was good at you know being accurate. Yeah. And those type of things, and. Um, did you have accounting degree? Did you take any academic classes specific to that, or no? I was probably going to get into more like something business related. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that was probably what I was going to get into. But you know, I was working at what like Wells Fargo, and so you know, they I was consistently raking pretty high up. Okay. You know, in all the performance categories, so they were telling me, yeah, you can eventually become you know bank manager, then district, and sure, you know, et cetera, and then you can do well, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, but you know that that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I went into like a smaller smaller business. Yeah, uh, very family oriented. I mean, back in the days we were smoking inside. Yeah, you know, um, I quit smoking, but then I picked it back up. Because, yeah, because everyone's smoking in the office. Yeah, um, it was like it was like like a boiler room. You know, it was like Mad Men. You know, that yeah. kind of thing, right? And uh, it, it was really fun. Right? Did you have some kind of uh, like epiphany? You're about a year in, and you're like, I, one day you just realize I have a career path in banking, but I'm literally about to choose to put it aside to work in this small Japanese wheel company. Was it was it a moment or was it just gradually building up? It, I, I can't remember like where or when. Sure. But but it, I, I knew. Okay. I knew this is what I liked. Yeah. And this is what I was going to keep doing. What did the family say when you did that? Oh, they, they thought I was a failure from the beginning anyway. So. I see. <laughs> My mom, well, I was a bad kid growing up. Sure. I was a really bad kid. I like, I was a guy that went from like 4.2 GPA and AP classes and yeah. all that. But, you know, like with a lot of, you know, immigrant families, you get a lot of pressure on you. And uh, I pretty much cracked at one point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I ran away when I was like a junior, no, a senior, a senior, 17, 18, yeah, 17, 18 for like six months. Mm-hmm. And um, I became a super senior. Yep. But I still I still graduated with, you know, good, you know, they took me back. The school took me back. Okay. And I graduated fine. And I got into a co- I got into university. Yeah. Um, but I think. That experience, because during that time we were around cars too. Yeah, yeah, you know, where I was, I didn't have a car because I ran away, but we we're, you know, guy, we we're driving around and uh, doing car related things. Yeah, and uh, I don't recommend people do this. Yeah, you know, take that, take that course. But I was able to survive through that. But at some point, after running away for that long, I realized this is not going to end well. Yes, so I reconciled went back home but my mom like she's cool now she's very proud of me now yes but back then she's like oh you could have been you know, tip, you know typical korean family they wanted you to be a doctor sure or, sure or 
whatever, right? Or if you could have been a hedge fund manager. Who knows? Yeah, they would have been cool with that too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, uh, they were, during that time, they were like, my mom, she specifically told me, wow, you're a waste of a brilliant mind. Sure, 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 sure. (laughs) And all that. Um, But I, I think they soon, like, they got over it. You know, as I as I got older, and but 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 not just because you got older, but because you showed them through the hard work and success that you were making something Correct. of yourself, right? Yeah. So where you know, there's a lot of young people who are going to listen, and they're going through something relatable. Mm-hmm. They don't get along with their parents. They don't relate to each other. Yeah. Their parents are like, "You're in the dumb shit." Right. How how would you suggest a young person find that balance between what they love mm-hmm. and respecting their parents? I ultimately for a young person I would say like hey if you if it's something that you want to do like you got to try it yes you know regardless of what your parents think yes um you always want to keep that take that into consideration yes. and they're going to give you probably some sound advice yes right like hey you know this is probably like an and they're going to tell you all kinds of things yes right but ultimately it's you know when you become an adult you're an adult and it's your decision so um you gotta give it a shot. Yes. Yeah, and then give it a shot, but make sure that you see it through. Yes. Uh, put in the work. Yes. Um, ask questions. Look for people that help you out, mentor you. Yes. Because um, when when you, the, it's your ability to collect as much information as possible. For example, I worked eighteen years. Yes. And I collected all that info. Yes. And uh, and then when I planned out my new our new company. Right. Um, I like I said, I don't have too many surprises. Yes. Right. Because I collected all the info. All I need to do is just plan it out and put in the work. Yes. And it happened. Of course, we had some. The first year, I was super scared. I had times where I didn't know I was going to pay rent. Sure. You know, because you know money was tight. Right. But um, but yeah, going back to you know what you were saying, um, yeah, like for a young person, you know, you collect all the information, collect the advice. But ultimately, it's your decision. Yeah. Make your choice and then go for it. And just go for it. Go All for in. It. Go for it. And the thing is, if you fail, it's okay. Yes. It's okay. You know, and, and most most successful people in this world, they, they failed, you know, they've crashed and burned, you know, a couple of times before they moved but on. The failure is only okay if you can say, I failed, but I gave it 110%. Of course. If you fail and you're like, man, I could have tried this. I should have tried that. I should have worked harder. Right. That's a big loss of, it's of on time. You. Yeah, yeah, it's on you. It's exactly. On you. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So you're in you're in Mackin, you're working mm-hmm. year one, year two, year three. Mm-hmm. What kind of personal cars and projects did you end up having um, for yourself during that time? So right when I started working and making more money there. Yeah. So, so pre Mackin, I had a non-turbo uh, SW20 MR2. Okay. So we did like cams and like little sneaky NOS yeah. and you know, all those things that I blew up that motor and then I fixed it sold it and then I still love the MR2 so yeah. I got an MR2 turbo they're really cool cars right? yeah I loved it and so working in the industry you make a lot of friends so we have buddies over at HKS yep. and you know they helped me you know I got pretty much the whole catalog yes and so it was it was, it was pretty fast yeah but back then engine management wasn't very sophisticated so somebody hits you up on the freeway, you downshift, and I remember what is it, the EVC? No, the, the the GCC, the the fuel computer. Yes. Yeah, I remember. So all you do is you add a little bit more fuel, you do scramble boost, <laughs> and then you go for it, not th- not thinking about the consequences. And you blew that one up too. Yeah, I, I blew a couple motors on that. Yeah, but it was making good power, like three hundred to the wheel. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. and uh, in the small. 
uh, yeah, rear wide, wheel. Small, yeah. yeah. Um, so had you had you already learned how to wrench on your own stuff at that point, or were you having to take it to shops? I think basic stuff we were just doing it on our own. Yeah, you just self taught. Um, yeah, just yeah, with friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, like most people, like most of the people nowadays that are like running race teams, you know, a lot of them were pretty much self-taught. Yeah, you know, yeah. You look at guys like Steph, yep. Papadakis and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, they, they they were just wrenching cars from the get-go, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like all the heavy stuff, I would just take it to shops because we, we had buddies at shops anyways. So, yeah. Yeah. So whether it was like back in the day, like pit crew or sure. you know, like SP or those kind of places. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so awesome. So you have the tur- you go from SW20 mm-hmm. to a turbo. Blow that up a couple times. What was the next car? So, yeah, that MR2, uh, I sold it. Um, and that, and uh, probably, probably the one thing I remember about that was I, that was the first car to have, uh, well, we put T37s on it, right? Yes. But back then, they were only offering it in white Like and 15, bronze. six and a half, right? Well, I put 17s on it. Okay. But they were only offering it in white and bronze. Okay. And they had no plans on changing colors. And then I told them, like, hey, we should... You know, not everybody wants those colors. Yes. And so we did gunmetal. Yes. And I think that's pretty much when all the millions of colors of T37 started. I see. So, so everything from black with red lips and yeah. all that. But uh, so anyways, moving on, the next car was a, it was S2. It was a, no, was it S2? Okay, around what year are we in the early 2000s now? This is now the early 2000s. So I had a... Yeah, yeah, it went from S2000. Yeah. And that thing ended up being like... Went from... We started building it fast. So uh, we got a... um, Like a carbon kit from Weber Sports. Turbo kit. All kinds of crazy suspension. Mm -hmm. Um, That car was fun because um, it was... uh, at that time, Road and Track put out a magazine called uh, Speed Magazine. Yes. It only lasted for a very short time. And uh, they had an S2000 shootout. And so a couple of the guys, the, the one guy that um, I remember was still good buddies, uh, Greg Park. Yeah. Uh, he had an S2. There was, I forgot who else was in it. But uh, we were going head to head. And I believe we tied for first. Okay. The shootout because they did, did performance numbers and all yeah. that. Um, so that, that was a really cool, cool project. I sold that. Um, oh, no. Prior to that, I had an IS. So, okay, you yeah. went MR2 to IS. I went MR2 to IS. That's okay. right. I had an IS. Did you I, also fix up the IS? I, yeah, I had a TRD body kit, coilovers, exhaust. But that, it wasn't, you know, since it was auto, it was more of a yeah. cruiser. Yeah, more um, cruiser, yeah. But I had a sick system in there. I had, like, Pioneer, like a flip-out head unit, <laughs> yeah. Macintosh amps, MP4 Ooh, speakers. Yeah. yeah, that was the era where, you know, audio was still totally it. Was, I loved it. I loved that car. Um, it looked good. Uh, it was comfortable. Yeah. And then, and then, but then uh, it was on lease. Okay. And so uh, I traded that in for S2000. Did you take everything off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything, everything came off, of course. And then... Um, S2 was back to like being a performance car. Okay. So it had, you know, all the crazy stuff. It, it did have a system though. Still had okay. a system. <laughs> Still had a system. So the trunk was now completely negligible because yeah. you had the system, right? No, it had a it had a it had a single sub. Okay. That was just sitting in the, the spare tire well. Okay. Yeah, so you so, still had some room. Yeah, still had some room. And then uh the S2 sold it. And then after that had a S13. Okay. And so S13 had a Oh, that wide body, a Vertex wide body kit. Okay. Like a SR20, all HKS, ARC, Nismo. Yeah. Said so all the best of the best. Yeah. It, that actually, that car actually made the cover of Super Street. 
Okay. So, so the S, the S13 well, on the cover of Super Street. Actually, I think the S2000, the S2000, I think, was on the cover of S. Of, no, no, it had just a feature in Super Street. What year? The S13? Yeah. I have a pretty solid amount of Super Streets going back. I wonder if I have it. It's. It had to be mid 2000s, I think. Okay. In mid late 2000s. Mid late 2000s, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find pictures of it. Yeah, it I mean, because yeah. I was actually trying to rearrange some of my magazines, and they go back to the earliest one I saw was 05. Yeah, for that, sure. That it I was, have left. Yeah, the S13 was on the cover of Super Street. Um, that was really cool. And I never... No, I do have I do have it framed somewhere, but it's not in my... So you yeah. talked about Toyota, Lexus, Honda, Nissan, right? Yeah. Just, just so far, right? right? How were you always into the various models were you exposed because of Mackin and because of magazines and looking at everything to all these different jdm like classics or was there one manufacturer that really you kept coming back to you know i loved hondas because everyone loved hondas but i, d I just didn't want to be just I like everyone honda else guy. yeah, yeah. So i got into toyotas my brother actually had a del sol okay and so in uh in high school and they, we put a b16 in it yeah and everything like that so so i, I was around all that and all, yeah. all, all my friends had you know hondas, hondas as well so so i was pretty well versed in it but yeah i wanted to try everything yeah yeah and because you're always looking through you know all the rev speed magazines and yeah then, and, and so you're looking through everything and appreciating everything yes and i think um what really happened is, and this kind of just like shows like how the aftermarket industry is driven. Um, you really look for car platforms that have a lot of support from the aftermarket. Yes. Right. So if it, so the IS was kind of tough. Sure. Especially it, back then. It, back then it didn't have that much support. So I got over it pretty quick. I see. Right. Cause like you put some stuff on and there's nothing else to put on it. Then you're just cruising around in it, but I got tired of it. Get tired of it. Right. And you didn't have the money to keep that and start another one, so you had to like return exactly. the body. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because an IS with a, a lip kit and some nice wheels and a system, mm -hmm. that's a great daily. Oh, for sure, yeah. Beautiful, right? right. Classy, et cetera, but... But it's slow. Slow, yeah, I see. Slow yeah. and those kind of things. So so then it got the S2, which was like awesome, right? Then mm -hmm. that, that really started to kind of... Um, and then it really... Helped to blossom my my really interest in like going to the track. Okay, the S two thousand. Yeah, the S two thousand. Well, really got me into going to the track. The S thirteen got me into like drifting. Sure. So we started throwing like track days and drift days. Yeah. Yeah, like our so you did track both. days. Yeah. Yeah. So we were getting into that, doing yeah. both of that. Um, I mean, with the the S two went to like HPD events. Yes. Yeah. You know, started you know really learning how to drive. Yes. Right. Yes. And then um, and then the S thirteen, you know, is all about drifting. And, uh, but that, that car was fast too. It was at the track. Yeah. Um, and then after the S13, where did I get? I think, oh, I got, I think I had an M3. Yeah, okay. I, I so got into E46 M3. Okay. Uh, and that, that thing was pretty basic. Yeah. Um, but it had like, you know, four Steiner parts, uh, like body kit, yeah. you know, coilovers and wheels and, you know, brakes and stuff like that. Um, head unit too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Some speakers. Uh, and then the after the M3, oh man, I remember. Um, dude, what did I have after the M3? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, like, I, I don't have, like, I think I went on a period where I didn't really have anything. What did I have? Oh my God, I'm sorry. 
Uh, let, let me get, let me think about it. Let's yeah. move on to another subject. No, no, no problem. It. I mean, yeah. obviously, over the years, you yeah. know, there's that many cars. Mm -hmm. But I mean, let's just start with what yeah. we're talking about. You're talking about an MR2, an IS300, yeah. an S2000, and, yeah. and a, well, a 240, an SLT240. Right. Yeah. And then uh, out of those right there, mm -hmm. when you think back right now, you're 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 younger, you're driving around. Which one of those do you miss the most? Um. I probably miss the MR2 the most. Okay. Yeah, the MR2 because that was kind of like your high school sweetheart. Sure. Um, that car was a bitch to work on. Yeah. Um, and people like guys would like Jonathan would send me like people send me links to like cherry MR2s to go buy one again. Yeah. Uh, I know Nick at Falcon's working on one right yeah, now. Yeah, dude. That dude. That deal he got. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So. But, you know, thinking about it, like, I don't think I have time to work on a car. Mm. And plus, like, like my back, I don't think it can handle, like, <laughs> you know, bending sure. over that. So I don't know how Nick does that. Yeah. Um, maybe someday when when time times are a little slower. Do a nostalgic easier, build. Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll definitely do that. But but I'd love to just build an EG. Yeah. You know, I, I, that was my I, first car. Yeah. I would, I would love load. to build an EG just because that's the car. Actually, I, I really wanted an EG in high school. Yeah. Uh, but everybody had one. Sure. So I was like, yeah, I don't need one. So have you ever had one? No, I never had one. So you never had one? No, I never had one. Uh, but I drove plenty of them. And I love them. I love the yeah. way they drive. Yeah. And I love them. And, um, but now, but yeah, right now, like now that we started this come like, you know, like Mac and I drove like a, a built Forerunner. Yes. I remember I had that. that. Uh, so I was, I got into the Forerunner before that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but people were like tripping out. Yeah. Because we put the wheels on and tires and I put brakes on it. Do a lot of people, uh, if you didn't read or like look into it, right? You People wouldn't understand like there was a, a pretty decent amount of Japanese uh, like off-roading support, mm -hmm. you know, like Joust yeah. and brands like that, like made cool, super cool parts, you know? Yeah, they were, they were, they were ahead of their time actually. Mm -hmm. Imagine if they came out now. Yeah. They, they'd be killing it. Sure. And then now I don't I don't think they're they're doing much. But right. you know, I think they were just a little bit ahead of their time. Yeah, I mean coming out with those roof racks, flares, wheels, yeah. and all these different things. I mean, you know, if you try to put that into a SEMA booth now, it would just get lost amongst oh, everything, sure. you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean I remember a couple of guys who were a little ahead of that. They had some pretty cool stuff that i had only heard of right, or seen right. in like a page right, right but they had like looked into it i don't even know how they got right. the stuff you know right. but i mean over all these cars over all these years you're at mackin when did you get to that point working there where you start doing the japan trips and seeing the culture and the cars in person versus just reading about them the cars you grew up looking at in the magazines mm -hmm. when did you start to get to see them yeah fortunately um i was going to Tokyo Auto Salon almost every year that I worked there. Okay. So it wasn't long. I probably had, I only worked there maybe two, two, maybe three years before I started going to Japan every year. Every year. Every year. Yes. So the only years probably we missed was like 9-11. Sure. Right. Uh, sure. Maybe, maybe a year during like the recession in 08 or yes. 09, right, to save some money. But other than that, I would go to Japan, um, go to the factories. Yes. Um Especially in the beginning when you're young, you know, you go out and, you know, you go to the factories and you see them making wheels and they take you back then, like street drifting was big. Yes. So, you know, I go hang out with the signal people. Yes. They take you to all the, the drift areas, right? And that must have been cool, man. Oh, signal auto to go to Japan and just be with them while they're drifting. Right. Yeah. It was amazing, right? Cops come and 
And that me, I'm like the only guy like running for it, right? Yeah, everyone <laughs> else is chilling. Everyone's like, no, it's not a big deal, right? Just walk to their cars and go to the next track, you know? I see. And, um, you know, like, you know, sitting and driving, you know, in a, back then it was a, like R33. Yes. Right? So sitting in R33 for the first time and driving it around, you know, and it's like built. You know, like thousand horsepower. You know, they just let you drive it. Yeah, I drive it. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, um, yeah. Just and just amazing times. Just just eating the food, learning the culture. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's it's you know, it, I'm so thankful and blessed. Did you did you pick up any of the language? You know, uh, I think I, I I can I understand a lot of it. Uh huh. And uh, you know, I I took a year of Japanese because like because I got so interested in it. Sure, too. sure. Uh, like in community college, so yeah. I, I can speak a little bit. Okay. You know, um, you, you understand a pretty decent. amount. I think I can understand a good amount. I can go to a restaurant and order solid, know, or, solid you know, order or you know find out directions. Yeah. And, and those type of things. Yeah. So okay, so we've got all these personal cars. You got all this growth. You're going to Japan. You're getting immersed in the culture. At what point in time did you say that I have this solid position, right? I mean, I don't even remember what year I met you, right? Mm-hmm. A pretty decent amount of time ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. And I mean, you know, we ended up having a great relationship. And I and I saw like the the some of the cars you talked about. Uh, I remember the truck mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, at what point was it brewing anywhere um, a long time ago? Or was it a little bit more recent that you were like, I feel like there's this void or this subsection of the industry that I can fill. Yeah. So I think it was like, you know, I quit when I was, I believe, 39, 38, 39. Right. And at that point I'd work for, I was going on 18 years. Yes. And so like, I was completely happy actually. Yeah. I've had plenty of offers for people. People tell me, come on, let's go do a business. Sure. We've got to do something, you know, like, you know, so many people, et cetera. But I was really happy. Yeah. So, and, you know, if it was for the money, I would have quit a long time ago. Sure. But I enjoyed what I was doing. I enjoyed the people. Mm-hmm. I love the brands. Uh-huh. Um, but at, at a certain point, like, and after 18 years, you take stock of, you know, everyone's going to, like, once you hit 40, yeah. you're going to take stock of what you've done in life. Yes. Right? You're going to be like... You know, what did I do this whole time? Was I like fucking around or, you know, did, did I do something good? Yeah, I was happy with what I did, right? I was happy. Um, but, you know, then then you have to think about it. Like, is this something that I want to do for the next half of my working career? Sure. Right? Sure. Um, so I felt like I hit kind of a ceiling. Okay. Um, you know, I, it's not that I wasn't happy, but I felt like, if you know, if I fast forward in time and I'm on, I'm on my deathbed and I look back at myself, like would I be satisfied? Okay. Right. So I mean, ultimately, my my decision was I, I wouldn't be satisfied. Understood. So I decided to quit. Um, you know, I took some time off. Yes. Uh, originally, I was going to just just do private, just make parts for companies and stuff like that. Private label? Yeah. Private yeah. Label, those kind of things. And, and just work by myself. Sure. Right. And just, just, just hustle. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I thought I would be happy doing that. And of course, you know, there's so many outside forces, you know, people are like, come on, let's go do some, something. And, yes. You know, and, and, and through my travels, I, you know, I saw a lot of like emerging companies and emerging factories. Yes. Um, that had enormous potential. Yeah. So that's where actually the idea for private label came about, right? And but then people are like, "Hey, we, you should do like a, a wheel brand too." And so after I started 
you know, doing the math and looking at all the potential and possibilities, yes. uh, I, I came to the conclusion that I, I am doing private label. Yes. Uh, that's a big part of our business. Yes. But another one is like, hey, let's do a brand, um, but let's do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Not for the sake of being different, but to do it a little bit more, just do it more smart, like intelligently. Sure. Uh, more efficiently. Streamlined, efficiently, yeah, streamlined. sure. Yeah. So we have a total of, you know, we, you know, we have three partners. Um, and we, we, we have two guys that, that work for us, mm-hmm. right? So it's a very small group. Yes. Um, but we, you know, we're, we're able to let technology, you know, take care of a lot of, a lot of the, the heavy lifting for us. Yes. Uh, we're able to grow without adding on a lot of people. Yes. And, um, and that cost savings really comes down to our company, Time7, which is, you know, our company models Forge for All. Yes. So the whole point of that is to have a good product that is not only, you know, excels in all the performance, you know, you know, arenas, but at the same time, attainable. it's attainable. Yes. Right. So it's, it's, it's something that we want to check all the boxes. Yes. It's something that's really strong, light, good. Uh, you can be proud of it. Yes. Right. Cause in the wheels, like there, there's, there's like, there isn't a wheel company that checks all the boxes. Like there's super baller wheels, right? Yes. You're, you're happy to have it, but you spend a ton of money. Sure. Right. Um, you know, like with raised wheels, it's, it's an awesome product, right? Yes. But I feel like it's too expensive. Sure. Right. Uh, if you go to the, tr- it's supposed to be on the track, but the guys that take it on the track, if they scratch it, it ruins their whole day, right? Right. Uh, but then you have like the really bad wheels right. that are out there, right? Yes. Are they are they proud to run it? Probably not. Yeah. They 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 want a wheel. Yeah. So they're like, I just bought something. Yes. Right. So I think with our product, you know, it has. It performs just as good as anything that's way more expensive. Okay. Right. Maybe it performs even better. We do our best to make sure it's better. Um, it's something that I think is designed very well. You know, it's made for the car. So most wheel companies, the way they uh, set up like a wheel program is they have this catalog and you've seen it. Like yeah. it's graphed with sizes, offsets, yep. and circles. No one knows what that means. Yes. Right. So what we did is we took the guesswork out and we sell it. So every every set of wheels that we sell, it's made for the car. Chassis specific. It's chassis yes. specific. Yes. So we do. It's that part's maybe a little bit more difficult because of inventory. Sure. But but we want to do it right. Yeah. Um. We have really solid relationships with tire companies, suspension guys. Yeah. And we actually take a look at the car. We'll measure it out, um, and try to try to make sure that it looks good, but at the same time, it, it's something that's. In working order with a really good performance tire. I th- I thought it was a really cool angle. I mean, because I remember uh, when you first brought up that you were going to leave Mackin, right? I mean, I've known you a decent amount of years. I worked with you when you were there. Mm-hmm. You know, great connection. And it got to this point where you know you're gonna you're gonna start your own thing. And when I see the way you set it up for the chassis, right, specific for it, you know, when you have a new Civic Type R, mm-hmm. when you have an S two thousand, you get your maximum. Um, contact patch, you know, it's going to fit your suspension. You, there's not a brake setup you could put unless you decide to retrofit some 10 piston random right, caliper, right, yeah. but every kind of big brake from every brand, it's going to fit. And I think that, like you said, you know, you have a calendar, uh, a catalog and it's got 17 by nine, 17 by nine and a half, 17 by 10 plus 22 plus 27 plus 48. Yeah. And it's just like the average person, not that they couldn't have figured out what that right. meant. They're like, I don't know which one works, but why make it hard? Right. Why make it hard? We'll make it. We so our our whole thing is efficiency, right? Yeah. We want to make it easy. Yeah. So if you whether you buy it from a dealer or even you go on our website, yeah. it's easy, right? Authorized another, stockists. Yes, I stockists, like that. Yes. Yep. Um, it's it's easy. You know, it's it's priced right. Yes. Um, 
And another thing is you don't have to wait a long time for it. Yes. So our our goal, and then going back to like checking all the boxes. Right? Yes. So not only not only does the the product itself have to check all the boxes, but our company, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we want to make sure that the products either always in stock, or you you know our goal is to be either in stock or you wait thirty days or less. Thirty days. So or less. there's a lot of wheel companies out there. You special you have to special order it. You have to put your money down. You have to wait four or five months for it. I think that's ridiculous. Yes. Right. So for us, it's all you know. Going back to how we talk about customer service. Yes. I think that's a major proponent of how we're we were able to grow grow because we you know. The service was there. The product's yes. in stock. Yes. If there's a problem, we just take care of it. So. Yeah, man. I think it's fantastic to see the way you did it with the chassis and everything. And I mean, one became two became – it's such a normal wheel now yeah. to to be on, on vehicles all the way up to full-blown – you know, you got the here in the in the office. You got the awards from track events. Mm-hmm. You got people out there just killing it, yep. right? You have this amazing connection with Spoon USA. You know, GoToney. So you got Spoon cars that are running your wheels. Yep. Okay. So that might blow some of the newer people out of the water. Like I don't get it. They're not running Spoon wheels, but there's a reason for that. And I mean, how did you end up getting to the point where you said, okay, um casting forging flow form all that kind of stuff right how did you end up deciding that you could and then therefore did take fully forged technology and create an affordable wheel so there's like a wave coming right that like when i when i talked about how we you know in my travels i visited a lot of like different factories yes and companies um take a step back if you look at the, the the three main um, today's three main technologies of wheel manufacturing. Yes. Right? So one is cast, yep, uh, which is how most wheels are manufactured. Yes. Right. So it's molten aluminum, and you just set it poured into, into a, mold, a shape, yeah. right? And then you, and there you go, right? Yep. For the most part, and then you have a like a newer technology, which is flow forming, yes. which takes some parts of forging and uh, and uh, mostly parts of casting. Yes. Right. So you have a wheel that's like still going to be pretty light. Yeah. You know, the value priced. Then, then you have forging, which is where you have a solid chunk of metal and you apply a, ton, a lot of pressure yes. to make it shape. And so with the abundance of supply that's out there, right, flow forming was originally pretty expensive. But I'd say, you know, within five years, it's going to pretty much in the aftermarket be around like a cast wheel price. Okay. Right. And the same went for forging. So there's so many, you know, forging companies, you know, whether they're good or bad. Sure. But there's so many that are propping up and there even a lot of casting companies that I've visited they're like oh we're going to make a forging plant and I'm like oh really okay so another one right yeah so forging the pricing it's going to naturally come down because sure. there's an oversupply of it sure right and whether it's good or bad um, you know they're just just oversupply so naturally prices are going to come down because there's just more competition that's out there so I saw that yeah and and I really th- thought that there was an opportunity um, to why don't we take that and come out with a good wheel? Yeah, right. Something that you know that has the accessibility and the ease of purchase of a flow form wheel. Yes, but it's double the wheel. So, you, so, so really, our product you, you spend maybe a couple, you know, a few hundred extra dollars. Yes, compared to like a flow form wheel. Yes, in terms of a set, not a not per wheel. Sure, right. But you get double the wheel. Yes, right. So, yes. so yeah, why 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 wouldn't it's like a no-brainer to buy yes right um you know a lot, a lot of wheel companies have called me and they're like yo you're leaving money on the table 
Oh, you why mean they're... You, why, why aren't you charging more? Oh, they're telling you that you should be charging Yeah, more. they tell me I should be charging more. I'm like, for what? You know, I want to... I'm... You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to become rich. I want to... I think the most important thing is put out a good product. Yes. Put out good service. And then everything else would follow. Are, right? Do you think those people are calling you to tell you that as friendly advice or also saying you're sort of low-key undercutting us and we feel like now we're overpriced? Yeah, both. Both? Both. Yeah, and... Um, you know, every company has a right to do how, you know, operate their business as, yeah, as they see fit. Sure. Right. And um, I think for us, we're not trying to go take down high end wheel companies. That's not our, our whole point. Yes. Our whole point is actually we want to really compete in the flow forming space. Yes. Right. But, you know, and, and have a product that's better, you know, the better alternative. Yes. Right. So going back to the whole thing about bad track wheels. Yes. You know, there's a lot of bad track wheels out there. And a lot of, like, a lot of companies that build their product as a racing wheel when, when actually it shouldn't be. I see. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to step in there and just say, hey, you know, run our product and you can have a peace of mind. Yes. Right. And, you know, and, and the other companies that are out there, you, have, you know, they, you know, they have every right and prerogative to do what they're doing. But we want to go out there and educate. Yes. And, and illuminate. And um, and so far, we've been able to grow. Absolutely. I think it's an amazing thing to see the, the, the growth of it in just uh, just about three years, right? Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So, for, for a new person, right, who has maybe never heard of Titan 7 up until right now. Yeah. Right? What would you say is the process that makes your company and your wheel better than any other one? And why should they consider it? Yeah, going back to just checking all the boxes. Yes. Right. So if we make a wheel for your car, it's made specifically for the car. Yes. Uh, we take into consideration how it fits, uh, the tire sizes that are available, the the, the brakes. Yes. We want to make sure that we clear not only, obviously, factory brakes, but uh, we take into consideration every aftermarket brake possible. Mm-hmm. So we have great relationships with, you know, all the Brembo's, uh, the APs that are out there, right? And, and we... When we set up a car, we take into consideration everything. Right? Yes, we talk to suspension guys because some some fitments it depends on if you're stock suspension or recoilable. Sure, right. So we take that into consideration as well. Yeah, um, and then moving from that, uh, we you know we decide if we want multiple. So so as a company, uh, we want to make sure that it's it fits right. Yes, uh, it's forged. Yes, so you have all the benefits of forging. Yes, strong, light, you know, etc. Yes. Right? Um, and then from there, we, we make sure that it's priced right yes. so, so that it's incredible value. Yes. Right. And then from there, it's also on the service side. You know, we're accessible. You know, whether people DM us or call us. Yes. We're, we're, people call, you know, like we get calls like on Sunday night. Sure. It's funny. And people would be like, wow, I didn't think you'd pick up. Yeah. Well, actually, you shouldn't be calling us around this time. Right. But we will pick up. So. I see. I see. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's accessibility. Yes. Right. And we actually do answer, you know, DMs and, and, mm-hmm. and emails. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of those put together, uh, it, it's, lot, it's all the simple things. Yes. But... I don't think there's a company out there that's quite getting all of that done. Checking properly. all the boxes. Yeah. yeah, so checking all the boxes. So good good product, good value, good service. Yes. I think that's really what sets us apart. There you yeah. go. And I mean, the customer service thing alone, right? Yeah. The ease of the transaction yeah, is going to be a, mm-hmm. such a, a, a strong point. Right. You know, and then obviously the designs and the shaping and then, 
the different vehicles that are running it. Mm-hmm. I mean, as it as it's grown, it's pretty awesome to see, Eddie. Mm-hmm. To be to be honest with you, man. But I mean, okay, so let's break down some of the the specifics that you put. You know, like the spoke rigid tracer mm-hmm. and the knurled edge and things like that. That a little bit more technical, but for somebody listening, is really going to have an understanding as to what makes it better than the next guy's wheels. Right. So, like, of course, a wheel is manufactured with, like, a forging process, yes. right? But then the it's the design that really helps to, you know, work together with the forging to make sure that the wheel is not only uh, light but strong. Yes. But, it moved, but to take a step further from that, uh, when it comes to racing, you want to make sure that the wheel has really good uh, stiffness. Yes. Right? So what that means is when, like, for example, like like a race car yes it's running you know our compound tires has aero has, has big horsepower which means you know you know when it goes around a track there's incredible forces yes. that are exerted on the wheel right yes so if you look at the wheel closely when it's in mid corner like a lot of wheels they'll deflect meaning they'll actually deform you know how like a tire deforms sure right so the wheel will actually deform too um so it's the ability for the wheel to stay in its shape without deflecting that's actually a really big key to like how race cars perform on the track mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so so that's where our rigid spoke tracer comes from right um of course the the forging so rigid rigid the rigid spoke tracer what that does is without um it, it we we try to add reinforcement in the right areas yes. of the wheel so that you know and we we take those ideas from like construction shapes and a lot of other things okay right? and then we verify that through you know um you know, like through software yes. and also lab testing and, yes. and of course on the track. But um, what what we really try to do is by adding that stiffness in, it takes it, it, it makes it a lot easier for race car engineers to just worry about the tire, the suspension, you know, without you know having the factor in like the wheels. Sure. So what we found that not only when you have a lighter wheel, but when you add in the stiffness, it include it increases, you know, the lap times get better increases driver confidence yes right which in turn um you know that peace of mind for the driver allows them to attack even better sure sure i mean yeah just like sidewall of a tire flexion Mm -hmm. anti-sway bars you want rigidity right right right? and i I totally get that Mm -hmm. um so so there's a lot of forging and you you missed you mentioned it yourself you have more and more forging Mm -hmm. some good some bad right so what 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 differentiates a good and bad forging I think there's there are wheels that especially a lot of designer forged wheels you know they you know they don't really take into consideration like strength or like like there are forged wheels that actually break sure because they make them either too light or maybe they're so overstyled that sure. certain areas where they should have meat you know it, it doesn't have any meat. yeah and then when you put them on like you know maybe they're oversized or not properly sized and you put them on heavy cars yeah. and they don't really think about that, you know, you're going to have, you know, some problems. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, back in the early days, like multi-piece forged wheels, right? Yeah. You know, they were bending lips, you know, all the time. Sure. Right. And I think, you know, they, they probably could have avoided that by, you know, maybe adding a little bit more meat on there, you know, um, maybe not trying to size it so crazy. Sure. You know, but, but a lot of people want it sized crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so then... Or else it won't, won't sell. But if that's the case, you got to make it stronger. But of course, everyone says, I want it lighter. Yes. Right? So you have to kind of stick to your guns. Right? So our wheels, we could have made them a lot lighter. Yeah. But, you know, we had to make sure because we have a like limited lifetime structural warranty. Yes. Right? And and even if you go to the track, we'll honor it. Yes. So we have to make sure that it's as bulletproof as possible. 
So, yeah, so even for guys that are out there tracking, you will honor the structural warranty. Yeah, of course, if you go, like, off track and, of like, something happens, you know, it's hard for yeah. us to do anything. But, you know, like, in, in the case of any, any any other case, we'll take care of it. And yeah. we've had guys that actually actually have bent our wheels. Yes. But they're very happy with it. Yes. Because they beat the shit out of it. Yes. But we'll take it back. Because we'll take it back because we want to analyze it. Sure, yeah, sure. So we'll send it out to analyze it. So we have actually guys that are coming on year three. Yeah. Um, they, they've been on slicks. They've been racing them hard with big power and big arrow. Yeah. I'm actually uh, going to take the wheels back. Yes. Uh, we're going to send them out to get lab tested so we can learn even further. Yes. Right? Like like the, if there was any degradation, any yes. metal fatigue. Yeah. Because when you go racing, wheels are consumable. Sure. Right? So... The reason why you see a lot of guys that have like the cast wheels, they're braking. Um, when you like in the beginning, when you have like a stock car and you and you, you know, you go you go to the track, right? Yes, it, it's going to be okay. The wheels going to they're going to last for a long time. Yeah, but if you're a car guy, you're going to go faster. Yes, you're going to put parts in it. You're going to add power adders. Yeah, uh, more aero. And but what a lot of people don't realize is like if you're on like a cast wheel, you have to upgrade. Yes. Because what's going to happen is when you add that much stress. It's just load. Load yeah. or whatnot, the wheel's going to give Yeah. after a certain time. So think about F1. F1 is the pinnacle of racing technology, right? They use forged magnesium wheels, right? Mm-hmm. They chuck them after like one or two races. Just so they don't have a failure. Well, be, because the wheels already fatigue so much because of the amount of downforce. I see. That's on them, right? So take it back to like the average guy. Yeah. You know, like a cast wheel, um, if you're on like, you know, our compound tires, you know, if you go multiple seasons, you're going to have to switch them after. Sure. Sure. Right? So the whole point with our product is like you, we want you to be able to go as long as possible. Yeah. Right. Without having this, without having to change it. Yes. Right. So, um, you know, we're on year three for a couple guys. So we're going to take them back and ins- inspect them and then see where we're at. Yeah. Right. And then we can either tweak the wheel. To make it even stronger, or 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 maybe it's so strong, maybe we can do something else with it. I no, see. No, no. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, but but it's it's always a constant evolution and improvement with our products. So for guys that are buying some of our newer stuff, even like the same design, original designs. Yes. We're we're still in the process of of always updating them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they won't look different, but they might be a little bit lighter. But yeah. They, see, they that's what lighter. I'm saying. The yeah. fact that you're willing to take these right and analyze them, and so let's say you find out that your original design was great, but you have now the safety zone to shave a tenth of a an ounce or something, right? You would do something like that, or you would add something somewhere. It yeah, might if it be. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty awesome, man. So so these people can buy with confidence in every in every capacity. Oh yeah. And that's 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 a very that's a very very cool thing to do. So I mean, can you can you talk about the next release? I mean, do you have a new design dropping for yeah, us? Yeah, we just actually landed. I'll show you in the back. Yeah. So it's a TD six. It's our um, six spoke design. Yeah. So um, we're pretty. It's it's mainly for JDM cars. Yes. Uh, in the beginning, but uh, you know we we didn't even put it on the site. And uh, we already sold out. <laughs> so, oh, from just word of mouth pre-order yeah, just, or what? Yeah, word of mouth. Yeah, it's it's, it's been crazy. Um, you know, we're you know we're really fortunate and blessed, like especially at this time, yeah, you know, for for people to really get enthused about it. Yeah, but people got word. And they made some calls and some you know some of our distributors. You know, of course, obviously they were. Um, they're privy to that info, yeah, and they stepped up and they're like, "We'll just we'll take it right off, you know, right on the spot." Yes, and. Um, but it's it's we're really excited because it's it's our own six spoke design yes. that we're coming out with, 
we added some really interesting features where we did like a triangulated like um, a machining. Yeah. So a lot of companies they just do like uh, spoke like side cuts. Yes. You know, like scalloping or whatnot. Yes. What we what we did is we went all the way from the spoke all the way towards the hub and all the way to the outer part. Um, we machine all that to reduce weight. Okay. And then we highlighted that by adding uh, contrast machining. Yes. So I'll take you to the back and you can check it out. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so that that's going to be our newest uh, addition to our lineup. Yeah. Um, but since then, you know, we've come out with a bunch of designs. We have a mesh wheel that's mainly for European vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a truck wheel that actually is selling really great. Really? Yeah, it's doing really well. You that's know? awesome. And and. Actually, our last two releases, so TD6, which is our six-spoke design, yes. the TAK1, which is our truck wheel, yeah. we, we sold out with, we actually sold our marketing sets, too. So we didn't even have a chance to really put them on cars to shoot it. Wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, been, it's, it's been a wild ride. So it's been, it's been good. I think a lot of people are catching on. In the beginning, it was tough because I think a lot of people were telling us, like, what's the catch? Okay. Right? It's forged. It's all this. Uh, it's good price. Yeah. There's got to be something wrong with it. Yeah. Right. And and I think and going back to what I was talking about, constant preaching, right? So just telling people it's good. It's good. Trust us. Um, you know, you know, we we did everything we can to, do, you know, to convince people. And, yeah. and for the few that you know bought in and tried it out, yeah. uh, they they liked it, and then the word quickly spread. Yes. And uh, you know, so here we are now. I mean, that's amazing, dude. I mean, the six spoke, you know, you got this new design that's dropping. And that's, I think that's a big thing is that it's your own design. You're taking all your experience and the technology and putting it into your own design. And to have that can be a little bit scary. And all of a sudden it's sold out. Yeah. You know, everything's a risk because wheels, not only is it about like technology, it's about fashion as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. People have to think it looks good. Yeah. It has to look good. Mm -hmm. But you can, it can be the lightest wheel. It can be, you know the top technology of everything sure but if it looks like shit no one's gonna buy it sure sure so when we come out with the wheel the first thing we do is like when we take a step back is your knee-jerk reaction does this does this shit look good yes if it doesn't look good then no we're gonna start over i see yeah i see so there's no like "Mm," you know there's none of that it has to be right when you look at it does it get you excited and then and then when you put it on the car will it get you excited sure right so there's a lot of wheels out there if you just put it on a table yes you know, it's over over styled, over designed. People are gonna be like, "Yeah, that's cool." Yeah. But will you buy it? Yes. You know, so that's where where that knee jerk reaction comes from, right? So it, you know, it's, you gotta want it. So I think all of our designs pretty much fit that bill. This the new drop, right? Did you um, did you also sell out of your marketing set of that too? Oh no, we made sure we kept some. Okay. <laughs> So this time around, you have some for your own cars <laughs> yeah. to put, take some photos, yeah. put on yeah. the side and whatnot. Right. Um, did you build that wheel for ch- a chassis? So we wanted to focus mainly on like JDM, so okay. Civic Type R, like new. So with Titan Seven, we're we're mainly focused on newer vehicles. Okay, right. So we get hit up for like a lot of old cars. Yes, but we try not to do that. Um, we want to just mainly stick with like newer vehicles. If you want, if, if you have an older vehicle, go buy an older wheel. Okay. You know, because that, that's what a lot of people do, anyways, right? So, right now we are targeting the Civic Type R, yes, uh, the Supra, yes. Um, that's half JDM, I guess, right? Sure. And then, <laughs> um, and then uh, like Subaru, yeah. And then, and then from there, we'll we'll start to look into other other Japanese vehicles, and then move from there. Okay, so there's enough people asking about some of those golden era 90s cars 
right? Something specific, five by one fourteen, even four by one hundred. Is that what they're asking? Well, what what I think the the beauty of like our type of forged wheel, yes, um, and we have to really, you know, move people out of that is like with forgings you, you have the ability to do a lot of custom yes right so with casting you can't do that right so with the forged wheel you're able to machine out like the bolt circle or offset or whatnot and we do have the capability of doing that so a lot of people are like oh can you make it special for us sure but in order to have like a really good value we have to make it in batches yes right so unfortunately we're not able to provide like anything custom right so we are so when we come out with a new fitment we have to make sure that there's like a reasonable amount of quantity sure that we sure. can move through in order to you know make the price stick, yes right? yes so if we were a custom wheel manufacturer and we cater to every fitment everything out there then we, we would have to charge like really high price sure right? sure so then so so in that case you know we would refer it to other reputable companies i see yeah. so do you see yourself even if it's just maybe one or two drops versus just trying to attack the attack it as a whole, mm -hmm. do you guys ever see yourselves entertaining the idea of creating wheels for those golden era '90s cars, or do you want to just really just focus on newer vehicles? I think our first pri our main priority are newer vehicles. Yeah, but um, who's to say if we have enough people really pushing us? Yeah, um, we we wouldn't be opposed to it. Sure. So who knows? You know, in the future what. You know, if, if that's a market that dictates that we need to address it, yes, then yeah, we wouldn't have a problem doing it. So I'm not going to close the door. Sure, sure, sure. And then what about off-roading? Like you have that one wheel, right? It's already mm -hmm. sold out. Uh, are you guys going to come up with new offerings for other applications for off-road? Uh, we have a good amount of applications already. Right now, we have it available for like Forerunner, Tundra, Tacoma, Jeep platform, uh, F-150 platform, uh, Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for I think most most like yeah most uh, compact and, and, and normal size trucks, uh, we have it available, and um, we have been hit up to get into like B log and stuff like that. Okay, too, but I don't I don't know if we're gonna get into that yet. Yes, um, and I think there's some learning, you know, and some um, education that I've you know, studying that I have to go yeah. through before we just come out with something. Yeah, so I think this is more like like a learning. This is more more like for us like an R&D project yes and uh, as we move through it and learn more and find opportunities then we'll, we'll expand I see I see so for the so you have a Civic Type R application let's talk about that um, what do you like about the new Civic Type R because you know we're we come from the same generation yeah. it's a totally different Honda oh yeah I mean it's a Civic it's a Type R it's got the R badge it's got Baba, but it's a totally different driving experience and vehicle. Right. How do you feel about that as a as a Honda enthusiast? I think it's I, I I'm from the camp where as long as the OE, you know, the, the factory comes out with something. Yes. Right? So I'm happy that they came out with Type R. I'm happy that Toyota came out with the Supra, right? Um, even though it might not, you know, satisfy our purest, purest roots needs sure. or whatever like that. But the Civic Type R, it's the best front-wheel drive car in the world. It's fast. You know, I think it looks like shit, but it's fast. It drives awesome. Yeah. Great gas mileage. Mm -hmm. It has tons of space. It's like the perfect daily driver. And it'll outrun most cars on the track. Right? It's amazing. Um, you know, I'm really happy they did it. And, and it shows. And I feel like our, like, 
Titan 7 is kind of like, except for they're looking like shit part, but I feel like the Type R kind of embodies like what we are as a company, right? It does almost everything well. Yes. Right? Um, and and it shows they're, they're selling tons of them. Yeah. Right? They're selling like hotcakes. Yes. In the beginning, they were even hard to get because yeah. everybody wanted it. Right? Yeah, that's, it's yeah. true. It's totally true. And then uh, what about like, do you ever see yourself getting back into an S2000 for a personal car? Uh, we So we're, we're really fortunate where we have like, like a group of guys yeah um that have like a full spectrum of builds yeah so one of our good friends henry he has like this perfectly set up s2 with you know good arrow like voltex arrow mm -hmm. you know from evasive it has good suspension you know as a um has an asts it has you know brakes it has you know our products it has you know ao52s mm -hmm. and, it, and so we'll take that out to the track so we'll satisfy our S2000 so you, there you go you get so. to get your cravings filled yeah. by having these amazing builds that are within your circle right so, so in that sense you don't need to own your own no so we, we have a couple shop cars we so uh our partner aaron um he also runs a spoon usa mm -hmm. so you know he has the type r so we take that out and we beat, beat that up a lot yeah um and then we have a shop a bmw m2 that we built uh we have a, a shop uh, Mustang Eco Eco Boost. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we have that. So we're pretty good yeah. on cars, uh, and we've we've run through like you know E ninety twos, and you know we've had that. Oh, and I I used to own one of those recently, and I got rid of that. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna buy some trucks. Okay. And we have a shop uh, Tacoma um, TRD Pro. Yeah. And then uh, we're, I think we're also gonna pick up a Jeep Gladiator and then build one of those. Okay. And then um, so we have a little of everything. We have stuff to. Go over landing, and we have stuff to go to the track. Okay, so all the cars you've driven, right? I mean, E46 M3, Ford EcoBoost, Hondas, Nissans, Toyotas. You personally, Eddie, over the past 30 years, yeah. what is your personal favorite car to drive? Well, right now, I really like our shop M2. Okay. Yeah, that, I really like that. It's It has, like, modern power. Yes. But it's, like, raw enough where it kind of takes you back to, like, like e46 days okay um it's really simple yes yeah it's simple it's manual mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so i really you know the, the driving experience is really good and during like these covid times we've been you know a bunch of car guys in the early morning on the weekends we take it out to angeles crest i see yeah we've been doing that and it's really got me to you know really fall in fall, fall in love with it so you really appreciate the m2 yeah that, that car i think that's the car that i really like right now okay yeah like all-time favorite car i can't say that i have an all-time Okay, there's yeah, too many that kind of fall into the same category. Yeah, as long as I can get out and drive. Yeah. I, I like it. So. Okay. So, okay, so three years, right? And, and then you also got married around the same time. Yeah, so I proposed to uh, my wife um, in... Oh, my God, she's going to kill me. So I, when I was 30... <laughs> when I was 38... So five years ago. Yes. Yeah. So I believe five years ago. So if I hadn't quit, yes, uh, I would have gotten married pretty fast. I right? see. So because we started the company, yes, um, money we had to really be careful with where we put our money. For sure. And I don't think a wedding would be the right allocation of you know money. And plus, she was going through nursing school and yes. I was supporting her during that time. So that's a strong debt. Yeah. yeah so we had to. Um, Put that off. We were engaged. Yes. So we're living together. Yes. And as in, in our minds, we were married. Sure, so, sure. So as long as that was there, you know, we were good. Yes. And um, so we, you know, put that off. And uh, 
right after Titan Seven was, we felt it was stable. Yes. Then we decided it was time to get married. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of like, it was right in the heart of it all. I mean, mm-hmm. you had to put the, well, you guys were dedicated to one another. So the ceremony was, wasn't necessary because there was that monogamy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then she was supportive of, if you're going to do it, do it now, mm-hmm. go all in. Right. And so she was willing to wait. Right. And then you, 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 you get the company to where you feel it's stable. Right. Then you guys get married. Right. So, I mean, like, are you going to have any kids though? I think that's, Especially during COVID, that's like my only purpose in life. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, she there you kids. go. She wants she, kids. So that's like that's like the only thing I'm good for nowadays. There you go, man. There <laughs> well, you go. cooking. <laughs> so okay, so you know that's an amazing thing, man. I mean, they're talking about this baby boom that's going to yeah. happen in like February. Oh, for sure. You know of of next year yeah. because of this whole shutdown yeah. thing. But I mean, it's it's very it's a very interesting thing because she is an active RN in a COVID unit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so how do you guys? How, what is your guys' take on that? How how does she look at it as a healthcare professional, and how do you guys deal with that? Because there's some, like I said, like we were talking about earlier, yep. there's some people, and I think a lot of it is oftentimes their lack of educating themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I get it. There's so much nonsense. Like if you're on the explore page of Instagram, you are gonna get the most and the worst mixed in with accurate information mm-hmm. that you wouldn't know what to do with any anyways. Right. So by people who either allow themselves to get caught up in the in the mixture of nonsense, mm-hmm. but they're also not going to certain reputable sites, maybe they don't know where to go. Right. But there people are like some people are in full panic and some people are like, "Man, fuck this. There's nothing going on." Right. So where are you guys with that? Um I think we're kind of in the middle. Like we we want to be smart about it, right? Uh, we're we're lucky where we're we have resources for information. Yes, because you know I'm married to a healthcare professional, right? So we're 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 relatively young. Yes, so we're not too afraid necessarily of catching it, but catching it is one thing and spreading it is another. Sure. So I don't want to sure. be I don't want to be the vector. Yes. I don't want to be the guy spreading. It. That's fucked up, right? So. Um, you know, Gina, you know, my wife, she goes into work. Yes. She's fully protected. Yes. You know, she has, she, she has to change her clothes. She has to be in all the gear. Yes. So there's, there's very little chance of her contracting it. Right. And so, um, like my parents, they're older and they're, you know, it was my dad's birthday, you know, not too long ago. And we brought the, we, we were, you know, all masked up and we dropped off a cake. And my yeah. mom's like, you're going to stay and eat? I was like, no. <laughs> no, we can't So are that. they not t- – did your parents just, like, innocently say, just aren't you going to stay in here and eat? I think – you know what it is with family? Yeah. You know, with family, you're, you're not too afraid. Sure. Right? But, what, but you should be because we don't live together. If we were in the same household or something sure. like that, it's not a big deal. Okay. But because we don't live in the same place, you know, they don't know where we've been. Right. I don't know where they've been. But, sure. Um, and I don't want to, you know – I. I mean, I don't, I don't want to f- know the feeling of me passing something off. Absolutely, them, you know, where where to we someone who totally could... avoided it, right, right. So, yeah, you got to be smart, right? Um, even when we meet up with our friends, we do social distancing. Yeah, uh, we don't gather in large groups. We don't do any of that. Um, but we're still going to live our lives. Yes, right. But I'm not going to go protest. <laughs> Fair <laughs> you know, enough. With a, with a bunch of people. Sure. Um, you know, I, I've gone to actually like. Uh, private shooting tactical classes yes you know but it's only been it's only 10 people we're spaced out yes we're masked up yeah so we're still observing all the proper procedures yes etiquette but i'm still gonna go have fun yeah. so in the context 
I mean, that that right there was more personal, right? Mm -hmm. But how about in the context of our, uh, you know, import automotive industry mm -hmm. and the effects on walk-in customers and these waves of of possibly recession and macroeconomically, right, mm -hmm. and all that type of thing? How do you think that's going to affect the industry in the next months to years? I think I think America is very resilient. Uh, I think we'll bounce back from this. I, I know there's gonna be a lot of hurt. There's uh, industries, unfortunately, that are gonna be fundamentally changed. Sure. Restaurant industry, you know, travel, you know, like entertainment. You know, who's gonna go to a, a concert? Right. right? Or who, who's gonna even allow a concert? Right. Um, so that that's gonna be really tough. But. I think like anything, you know, we've, we've been through, we've been through, you know, the big recession. We've been through 9-11. Yep. Those are all huge. Like 9-11, we had a huge shock, right? Um, the travel industry was changed. Yes. Right? TSA happened. Yes. Right? All those things happened. Um, people were afraid to fly. Yes. Right? But people got over it. Yes. Right? Um, SARS happened. Yes. Right? And that was mainly more... In Asia, they, they changed how things were done. If you go through any airport in Asia, they have like scanners that check for your temperature. Mm. So it has that, like that, that, that predator camera. Yes. And they're, they're looking for people that have like high temperatures, then they'll pull them to the side. Yes. You know, and um, they have like mats that are actually, that are actually disinfect your shoes. Okay. As you're walking through there. And that's yeah. normal over there. It's normal. After SARS happened, that's yes. what happened. Right. Uh, I don't know why we didn't do that here. <laughs> I don't know why know? we didn't but, do it here either. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, we're, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to go through a shock. We're going to go through some hurt, but we'll change and we'll adapt. Yes. And we'll move on. Right. That, that's, that's what Americans do. Right. So I think we'll be okay. Um, uh, I think the government, it's, it's kind of crazy, but you know, they are throwing stimulus money out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully everyone that deserves it uh, will get it. Yeah. I mean, especially the businesses. Yeah. Um, I, I, I pray that, you know, everyone gets the help that they need and deserve. And um, let's all try to support each other move through it I, yeah I think the shops that are out there I, I firmly believe if your sh business is well run yes and you have your shit together yes. you're gonna pull through it I so, like it so things that had like just like the, the recession right yeah if you didn't have your shit together you're, you're gonna drop out yes right so as long as your business is run right um, you're efficient you know you're not doing stupid things with your money yeah uh, I think you'll be fine all right so Eddie if you had one thing to say Right. It doesn't matter if it's a 14 year old or a 54 year old listening. Right. If you just had one piece of advice from someone who has ups and downs, different industries and have been able to carve this, you know, this successful niche for yourself. What would you say? Anything? I would just say just be happy, man. Be happy. Just uh, go out there. And uh, if you're unhappy, then you better do something to make sure you're happy. Figure it out. Figure and, it out. Yeah. So, I like it. Yeah, I it. like it. Yeah. You know what, man? Um, you guys, for everyone listening, I'm going to put, you know, the Titan 7 information, Eddie's, you know, I encourage interaction. This is not just something to listen to and to be done with. You know, you got to sink in if you have a, a question about something. If you want to check out Titan Wheels, if you want to uh, talk to Eddie, you know, he'll he'll answer you back. You know, just like he yeah, takes he gift. Will. Yeah, just like, the, <laughs> just like they said about calling on a Sunday night. Don't. Don't call them on a Sunday night, but, exactly. but, um, the idea here is, is these types of, 
uh, podcast episodes and the community conversations. It's a conversation with a member of the community. And we're all part of the community, the human community, especially we're talking about COVID. It, it, it's a it's a perfect opportunity for people to understand that it's not about any of the things that we made it about before. It's just about us. Right. It's the human experience. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot here for anyone of any age to listen to. So you guys, please, uh, you know, comment, DM, Eddie, Titan, and myself about anything you heard. If you have questions or, or feedback or, or anything you want to say about it. Eddie, I appreciate you being on the podcast. It's an invaluable conversation to share with people. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I, I really love what you're doing. Um, you've always been a fixture, you know, in our industry. Your, your bills are dope. Thank but you. on top of that, the one thing that I do appreciate is that you, you you're always out there, right? You're, you're out there and, and you like, it's impossible to not be your friend. I see. <laughs> you know, I appreciate you, you know, saying you that. You know, like you're, you're, you know, you're just, you're just, you're one of those guys that you're happy, mm-hmm. you know, and I love it. So we really, I appreciate you coming out here and, you know, giving me a forum to talk about ourselves and, and let me just talk about my life. And I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's in, it's invaluable. People need to understand there's more to it than just business. There's more to it than than just the numbers. It's about life, you know, and we talked about happiness and work and balance and family and friends. And it's, you know, it's not just about how many followers, or how many likes or how much money you make. It's much deeper than that. Right. You right. know? Yeah. If you focus on the important shit, yes. like all the other stuff will come. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I appreciate you, Eddie. You guys, once again, please take the time to keep in touch with all of us. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you on another episode of the Think Bigger podcast. Thank you. Nice. Perfect. Eddie.